0: With your host, Mantar, and one half of Long Island's number one pro wrestler broadcast, Monty Faro, where we are missing PN News. Where's your friend PN News there, buddy? Ooh. Yeah, PN News is on a
1: hiatus. I don't know if it's permanent. I don't know if it's temporary. Um, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, I can't really answer for the fat fucker, so... All I know is he's not here and we've waited two more days and he's still not fucking here. So fuck him. Let's do the show, baby.
0: All right. Well, I got to tell you though, man, I've known you for uh, not a long time for, but a, a little bit of a length of time. And boy, you are one unforgiving dude, man. You have, yeah. you're, you're pretty, you're pretty wrapped tight.
1: Yeah, man. I don't know. It's in my DNA. I think, you know, I just, I just don't have time for fucking stupidity, I don't have time for bullshit, I've always been a straight shooter, you know, if you're pissing down my back, I want you to tell me that you're pissing down my back, I don't want you to tell me it's fucking raining, because we both know that you're pissing down my back, but you think (laughs) I'm fucking stupid, so if you tell me you're gonna be here at 12 o'clock, motherfucker, you better be here by 1215, or we got an issue. You know what I mean? Don't tell me, don't make up some shit just to fucking pacify me. I don't have time for that stuff. You know, I I, 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 I want to deal with people who are straightforward, no bullshit, um, just black and white, no gray area whatsoever. That's the kind of person I am. And, you know, it is what it is, but I don't want to change it.
0: Well, yeah, don't go changing just to please me. Who Who sang that song?
1: I couldn't tell you, man.
0: Don't go Elvis, change
1: Elvis, it, Elvis Presley.
0: <laughs> no, no, Billy Joel. <laughs> come
1: on, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Listen, man, you could sing me a fucking Lady Lady Gaga song, and I wouldn't have a fucking clue.
0: Unless it <laughs> said Lady Gaga on the screen. <laughs> Listen, you you know sports, so you know pro wrestling, but pop culture may not be your strong suit, right? No, man, I'm not. I'm not sharp on a lot of subjects, but you know. My father
1: always taught me that if you're going to be good at something, make sure you're good at a few things. Um, just don't be good at nothing. Right. So mm-hmm. I try to stick to what I know. And um, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So I'm well, almost 55. I'll be 55 in about 11 days, I think. And um, on the 14th of this month. So I think I'm doing pretty good so far. So I made it fifty-five years. Let's try to get another at least twenty-five anyway. I, hear I you. sure don't want no. I don't want to live I don't wanna live much older than that, man. I won't be able to wipe my own ass or feed my fat <laughs> face or, or you know, I won't won't be able to get up and look in the mirror and see how simply outstanding I look every day. You know, them things are important, bro.
0: you, I know, hear you.
1: gotta you know, you have to make sure that you wake up in the morning and you're able to look yourself in the mirror and if you can do that and you're happy with that then god bless you brother because you know person can't ask for anything more than that you know you have to be true to yourself and if you're not true to yourself you know what the fuck are you doing just swimming backwards you know i don't know mike i mean what kind of you know what kind of people do you like do you like fucking bullshitters you like jokesters you like people that are that are serious and straightforward and right to the fucking
0: well, point. You know, I, I know we're going to talk about sports here, but I will share this with you. And I'd want your opinion is, um, you know, I've been pretty much a businessman my entire life. And, um, you know, you know, through the grace of God, I had the opportunity to do this, this television broadcast, Monte DeFaro. And I, like I said, I got to meet such great people such as yourself. Right. But, the one thing I have found out, especially in this wrestling world, is I've never met such a bunch of bullshit people. It's yeah. like you're, o- you're always trying to be worked. You're being lied to. You know, you you know, you do, you do, you do, and then you ask a favor, and then people don't, they don't come through, or they just, they don't. feel you know, it's always about what they want and what they're going to get, and it's uh, it's it's a bit disappointing. It's a bit disappointing. Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's, I mean, we understand that everybody has their own agenda, but Jesus Christ, you know, you need to be somewhat flexible on that agenda. Right. I mean, there's just a point to where you just, you say, Hey, what, what color is the sky today? And the fucking guy's going to tell you orange when you know, it's not fucking orange, it's blue. Mm. Right. Mm. But he's still going to tell you orange anyway. And
0: expect you to believe that stupid shit makes no sense to me. Yeah. But you know, Mike, it seems like it's not, it's almost not real just like wrestling's not real. Like in, in, Look, you're you're right. In life, everybody's got some sort of agenda, but I've never seen people try to take advantage of other people as I have in this whole wrestling business. Oh, it's my scary. God.
1: Yeah, you know, I think wrestling is a lot like uh, rock music. I think it's a lot like Hollywood. You know, people only give a fucking shit about themselves. You know, they don't want to help anybody else. Um, and they're gonna do whatever they have to do and step on whoever they have to do to get to the top and to fit their agenda, right? To make it work for them and only them. And so, you know, I just think that, you know, this world is really fucked up right now and we're really going in the wrong direction. And, you know, we just need to show a little bit more love, a lot more love actually, and a lot more compassion because you never know what somebody else's story is, right? I mean, Mm. we're all different we're all different, have different lives and we've all gone through different shit and survived different shit and are going through different shit on a daily basis, man. People have daily struggles. And I used to be one of them people, man. I'll admit, I used to be one of them people. I was struggling for a long time. And then um, I found God. And and ever since then, man, life's been, life's been a breeze, you know, let go, let God. And um, if, it, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. If he doesn't, well, you're just SOL, and better find a a new a new uh, fucking avenue to go down, right?
0: Well, do you do you think this country's lost God, or even the world has lost God? Is that why it's it's turned the way it has?
1: Absolutely. You know, when I was when I was growing up, we started the school day off by saying the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, and we would say the Our Father every day, right? And um, you know, if you look on the front of our money, it says In God We Trust, but I don't think that's the fucking case, because they've tried to write God off every avenue that they can. I mean, you know, look at, you know, God in the Bible. He talks about Adam and Eve. He doesn't mention uh, Adam Eva, who's the fucking transgender version. That shit just don't fucking exist in the Bible, right? And so, you know, I believe... That, you know, the Bible is there as a guide to how we all should live our life. I mean, you can take bits and pieces what you want. um, But still, you know, you still have to believe in one God. And in my opinion, you know, I've been to many churches before. I've been to Baptist churches. Uh, I'm Catholic. I was born and raised Catholic. But I've been to Baptist. I've been to Protestant. I've been to all sorts of shit. And you know what? When I go there, I pray to God, and so I don't give a shit what you believe, as long as you believe in God, as long as you believe in a higher power, then you know we are good. But you know all this other bullshit, man. Just you know this transgender shit and all this shit that you know shall not. You know you fucking got people killing their wives and beating up their spouses and and just doing stupid fucking unnecessary bullshit man just you know people don't want to fight anymore you know if i had when i was in school if i had a problem with somebody we just went out in the fucking back of the schoolyard and we settled the fucking issue right now it's like they're going to send you nasty messages they're going to call the fucking police on you and they're just going to go through all this unnecessary fucking drama bullshit um to try to prove a point. And, and I don't know, this world has changed a lot since I was growing up and um, you know, it's tough, man. I mean, I feel, I feel sorry for my 14 year old daughter because mm-hmm. man, what she, what she's growing up into man is just not very um, exciting or is it very inviting? And
0: um, well, let, let, let me ask you this, Mike. So growing up, obviously you were probably a pretty big guy. Can you tell the people out there like, Give me a school fight that you had, and and I want to just advance the question a little more. You you talked about hey go in the back you know go in the back of the school duke it out and it's over it's squashed. You know today's day and age it seems like when someone's beating someone up they be, you know and they've got the they've got their battle won they pummel the person until there's nothing left and maybe they're dead. What, yeah, what or the they're gonna fight? fucking shoot them, or they're yeah, gonna right. fucking just pull right. out a
1: gun and shoot them. You know, right. they don't, nobody wants to fight anymore. Everybody wants to stab you
0: or fucking shoot you. I mean, what the fuck is going on, man? Settle with well, these two. Settle with the Dukes. What was it? What was a school fight back in the day for you? Can you can you go back in your mind and well, remember and bring up a school fight yet? You, you know, I've
1: only been little one day in my life, and that was the day <laughs> I was born. You know, I was only five pounds, four and a half ounces, man. I could fit in your palm of your hand pretty much. And I think on day two, I must have been 12 pounds, right? And um, I just know that I was a really big kid growing up. I couldn't I couldn't play any fucking football, peewee football with my buddies because I was always 80, 100, 120 pounds over the fucking weight limit. And I was within the age limit, but I was way over the fucking, exceeded the fucking weight limit by a ton, right? So I had no chance. And so, a guy, we talk about this in my uh, documentary actually, Um, A friend of my mom and dad said, hey, why don't you get Mike into playing hockey? I was five years old, man, and I was fucking the biggest kid in the class at five. And um, so they said, well, we'll see if he wants to, you know, put on some skates. So I put on some skates and, you know, I got on the ice and I fucking fell right down, man. Got back up, fell right down again. I must have fell down 10 fucking times, man. And I just kept, just didn't get discouraged, man. I got right back up. And once I start gliding on them blades, man. It was history, you know, for 11 straight years, I was always one of the best hockey players on the team, always one of the top one or two person on the team, I was a top scorer, and I was always the fastest, believe it or not, you know, you put me on a pair of skates and I will beat nine out of 10 guys in a fucking race. And, you know, I could show you pictures of when I used to play hockey and I would just tower over these people and my shoulders were out here and everybody else is about this fucking big. Right. And um, but again, I've always taken pride in everything I've done. My dad has preached to me since I've been a little boy. If you're going to do something uh, right, do it right the first time so you don't have to keep going over and doing it again. So that's what I did. And, um, you know, I was always a big kid. And so, and and you know, at a younger age, from probably zero, probably zero to eleven, I was pretty much a, the fat kid on the block. So everybody used to bully me and pick on me on a daily basis, man. And um, I remember one time, man, um, I used to get bullied a lot by the kids in the neighborhood. And we used to have a Fourth of July party, and I must have been about oh, I don't know, freshman or sophomore in high school, probably. And uh, we had a Fourth of July party. We used to um, barricade the whole street off and have a big, huge uh, block party for the entire block. And um, <clears throat> it was about dinner time, five, six o'clock at night. And the neighbor kids start bullying me again. And um, this kid was probably, oh, a good three or four years older than me, and he was a freshman. On the University of Nebraska's football team at the time, and I was only 14, so he was probably 19, so five years older. And uh, we got into a fight, man. And he, st- I started chasing him, and and he was running around in a fucking circle, knowing I couldn't catch him. And his mom and dad called him out. They said, "Hey, man, what are you running for? You big pussy! You bullied this kid his whole life, man. Stand and fight like a man." So he stopped, turning around, and I fucking blasted him, man. And I mean to tell you what, I beat the living shit out of him in front of the whole fucking neighborhood, his parents included, my parents included. I mean, I was punching him so hard and so fast, they had to pull me off of him, man. And I tell you what, after that day, no fucker ever picked on me again in my life, because that was the very first time that I've ever, ever fought back in my life. And so, um, you know, it was... It was tough, man, you know, I mean, I remember I got kicked out of eighth grade. I, my parents had me in a Catholic grade school. And again, I used to get bullied every day at lunch, man, every day at lunch. And um, on recess one day, man, these, these fucking kids were just beating the shit out of me for like a month straight. And one day I came home fucking crying. And my dad said, Mike, he says, I'm gonna tell you one time how to fix this problem. Either you can listen to me or you can do what you want, he says. But if I was you, he says the next time that they want to start trouble with you, he said, I would back yourself up. And he says, um, I would back yourself up into a corner, wait till they surround you. And he says, call the biggest fucking guy out. And when he steps forward, you blast him as hard as hard. And as fast as you can and you keep blasting him and when you take him out all the other fucking scrubs are gonna run away and i'll be a son of a bitch man the next day it happened and this fucker i called him out man and he stepped forward and i fucking blasted him man i knocked him out knocked him down and i fucking looked at all the rest of them they all fucking scattered like flies right and um i remember the principal had me in the office and um she was going to suspend me right and my dad used to deliver the mail every day to the to the school and to the church and so he came by around i don't know 12 31 o'clock and i'm sitting in the office i said hey dad what's up and um, he looks at me and he says well the question should be what's up with you son what are you doing sitting in the principal's office and i and just about that time the principal came out and said hello there bob come on in my office and we got to talk he said yeah he said it looks like we got to talk he says what's going on and i remember he said shut the door he said no no you can talk to me and she says well mike was in a fight today with about five other kids and he beat the crap out of one of the kids so we're going to suspend him and my father said to the lady he says are you these the same kids that have been bullying him for this whole school year and she says yeah i think it's the same group of kids you know same problems and he says so he said, my son finally stood up to the bullies and defended himself. And you're going to suspend him from school? And she says, yeah, he threw the he threw the one and only punch. And my dad says, okay, well, Jane, if that's how you feel. Um, he looked at me. He said, Michael, go upstairs. Get all your shit out of your locker. Leave everything that's Holy Ghost's property. And come on down here. He says, because you are no longer a part of this school anymore. And The principal said, oh, wait, wait, Bob, wait. You know, and she said, listen, he says, I'm not gonna stand for this uh, uh, crap of you suspending my son for sticking up for himself when these kids have been bullying him for the last six months. He said, that's just not gonna happen. He says, I, in fact, told my son to do that. And she said, well, he said that you did. He did blame it on you. And he says, well, there ain't no blame here because I did tell him that last night. And he did exactly what I did, what I told him to do. And now he's sitting in this office and you're going to suspend him for a week from school. He says, well, you don't have to worry about uh, suspending him. He says, there's only three months left of school. He says, I'm going to leave my daughter in, in school here, but I'm taking Michael out. And at the end of this year, you can consider uh, my kids no longer going to be a part of this school because what you guys believe in isn't isn't right, and it's definitely not what we believe in. So we're out of here. And so I come down. My dad was in the office. He says, "All right." He says, "Well, get your ass home." He says, "I'll see you in a couple hours." I said, "Okay." And you know what? I never got in trouble for it. You know, my dad asked me how I felt about it. I told him I was, you know, a little disappointed because. You know, I got to go to a new school and make all, all these new friends. Um, but you know what? If I would have never went to this new school, I probably would have never started amateur wrestling. Because after about being in this school for two weeks, uh, my woodshop teacher, Mr. Nye, he came to me one day. He said, hey, buddy, he says, maybe um, you ever thought of uh, going out for wrestling? I said, no, man. I said, I'm a hockey player. I don't know shit about wrestling. He says, well, would you like to come out? He says, maybe you can stay after school. And, you know, he says, I says, well, I don't have no gear. He says, well, you got a pair of gym shorts. He says, you know, your tennis shoes are fine. He says, and go home tonight if you like it. Ask your parents if you could wrestle and have them sign this form and bring it back if you want. I said, okay. So that's what I did, man. And I remember when I first locked up with that dude and I threw him into next week, uh, that was all she wrote for me. That was all the sales pitch I needed, man, because I was all in. That was the greatest feeling in the world was to grab that dude around the waist and just fucking chuck him into next week, man. It was the greatest. So, you know, I truly believe that shit happens for a reason in your life and that people come into your life for a reason, that you cross people's paths for a reason. And um I don't know, you know, it just it's just the way it is, man. the way it's always been, you know, so got into wrestling and I took to it and, you know, won a couple state titles, a couple world championships. And I was slated to be a 1986 Olympian at 13 years old. So I must have been doing something right. You know, uh, it was uh, a pretty impressive uh, amateur wrestling career I had. And then I played a couple years of semi-pro football and then got right into professional wrestling at 21.
0: So, well, let, you know, let me hold you on this one, and I'm going to uh, try to answer as honestly as possible. You and your prime against Brock Lesnar in the prime amateur wrestling. Um, you have a shot at beating him? Um,
1: I, I, I do have a shot. I would say it's probably 60-40 Brock Lesnar, just because he won a couple of national titles at Minnesota. Um but I was, I was fucking tough, man. I mean, I was, I was a great Greco Roman wrestler. I was a great freestyle wrestler and I was just a great wrestler. And, um, you know, I used my weight to my advantage, just like Brock, Brock wrestled heavyweight for the university of Minnesota. So we would have both been in the same weight class. And, um, I had, I had, would have had a legitimate shot of beating Brock Lesnar back in the day.
0: Love it. So, it's common knowledge. Now you've been doing the show for at least uh, two months, and your name is starting to really get out there. You're getting invited to do interviews, and you know I'm hearing the Mantor name more in the last say three months than I've had in the last five years, and that's certainly not an insult towards you, Mike. I'm just trying to state the facts. I'm going to play a video right now of oh, uh, last, <laughs> of last Monday. Click this. And I want to understand why people's stories are so different. So I'm going to play this video right now, and then um, I'm going to ask you to discuss Kevin Nash's comments that uh, what so, happened between you and Scott Hall. So, were you uh, now? You would have you would have gotten on your television
2: uh, the Sheik's product, yes, Big Time Wrestling. That was what I, I watched growing up, and of course, uh, Sean Waltman's favorite wrestler, <laughs> Pompiero Furpo. Uh, Mine did, was Moose Chodak. Like, <laughs> moose, Cho- you know any Moose Chodak reference that you can whip out over the next few weeks? You been, know, it's just one of those things that that's when people say, Oh man, you know, he's not a good worker." Fuck that, man! I didn't give a fuck. I just thought he was he was a big old dude who carried a moose head. Exactly. I didn't give a fuck. Uh, was that? Vi- I saw a video. Was that him who couldn't get in the ring? I don't think that was him. Somebody couldn't get. The gimmick through the ropes one time. That might have been Minotaur. Uh, you know what? It might have been now that you mention it. Yeah. Have you ever Ma- seen the fucking like, they they brought Minotaur in? He was the nicest guy on earth. And who was Mantar again? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. Go ahead, talk. I'll look it up. But anyway, so he he takes that fucking, you know, the the helmet off, the the mask, whatever the fuck you want to call that. Mm-hmm. Takes his giant furry Shockmaster dome off and he's standing in front of Scott and Scott just fucking he hit him with an open hand about as hard as you can hit a person on TV I fucking had to hold my dickhead in the back at the monitor I thought I was going to piss myself I like, god damn man like mmm Mike Halleck was his name it's not who yeah, I thought it was
0: Oh, uh, David, go ahead, Mike.
1: Well, you know, um, this was, you know, you and I talked about this the other day. And when I got home from taking my daughter to the doctor, the first thing I did was I pulled up this episode on click this and was listening to Kevin Nash. And I listened to the whole episode. It was, it was a great episode, great podcast. And I hope to be where them guys are at someday. Um, I you think will. I'm well on, I think I'm well on my way. Um, but this was the nicest version of, that I've ever heard come out of Kevin Nash's mouth. Um, I mean, he was really cordial towards me. He was like, yeah, he's like, that man, Tari, says, you know, he was a really good guy, too, really nice guy, and was saying all these nice things about me. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Is he on some kind of fucking drugs again, or what's going on here? Because I heard him a couple years ago say, you know, I remember, because somebody asked him a question about it, Have you ever seen somebody taking a liberty or cheap shot against somebody? And this fucking incident with me and Razor Ramon in the ring, came right to the top of his head, and he was quick about it. He was like, yeah, one day I'm sitting in catering, watching the monitor, and he said, Scott's out there starting to wrestle with Mantar, and he said, they do a couple spots, and all of a sudden he says, I see Scott Hall open-hand Mantar slap him harder than I've ever seen somebody get slapped in my life, Knocked the fucking chicklets out of him, and um, really made Mantar look stupid, and I'm thinking – brother, were you and me watching the same fucking clip? Because yeah, he did slap the fucking, tried to slap the chicklets out of my mouth. I just shook my fucking head two or three times and charged him, picked him up, drove him in the corner and start beating the fucking shit out of him. And um, so, you know, whether somebody takes a cheap shot like that or not um, is irrelevant. That just shows you the kind of character Scott all is. You know, he just got at that time, he just got came out of fucking drug rehab for like the hundred and seventeen thousandth time. And before he went into drug rehab, he dropped a belt to double J. And I was his very first match out of out of drug rehab. And I was undefeated at the time. I had I had never lost. And this is probably five months into my into my Mantar character. And I haven't lost. And he was like, Yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, man, but what about what I want to do? I was like, you know, I'm undefeated here, too, and I'm trying to make a name for myself, and if you're not going to do my shit, I'm not going to do your shit, so we can go out there and have a fucking, have a fight, or we can go out there and work with each other, and he was like, all right, man, we'll go out there and work with each other. Well, he threw that working shit right out the fucking window the very first spot, man, and I mean, he slapped me fucking as hard as he could, bro. I mean, I almost seen stars, but I shook that shit off, man, and we got in a fucking fight in the ring. I remember Vince got Vince was watching it in the monitor in the back, and he was in the referee's earpiece. Tell them two fuckers that they're on national TV and save that shit for the back. And um, so we got back to work, man. And, and after that, we had a good match. I did what he wanted. He did what I wanted. So, you know, he understood at that time that he wasn't going to fucking punk me out. He wasn't going to take advantage of me and so you know the first two or three times i've heard kevin nash tell this story um none of it was positive and in my favor but when he told it the other day he shed a whole different light on the subject and i'm glad he finally told people what kind of person i was and what kind of person i am because i am a really nice guy i'll work with anybody you know, and um, so, I mean, I was I was, you know, kind of humbled a little bit by what, you know, Kevin Nash said um, the other day. But that's the first version of that story
0: that I've ever heard him tell. So I was quite pleased. Well, which 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 is fine. But I think to myself, how does a guy's story change like that over the years? Is it just because the boys are just used to working people all the time? They can't keep up with their lies. I mean, what is it? <laughs> You know, I was told a long time ago, man, you should always tell the truth because it's
1: much easier to forget a lie than it is the truth. And um, I remember one time I got in a little legal trouble and I told my attorney to put me on the fucking stand. I wanted to testify. He said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, why? I said, don't you want to hear the fucking truth? Don't you want to hear my story? I said, nobody's going to fucking trump me up. I says, because if you're telling the truth, You ain't got nothing to hide. All you have is the truth. I don't have to worry about telling no lies because their version of the story is all fucking made up bullshit. I'm the only one here that's telling the truth. And when I got off the stand, he was like, Mike, that was the best thing you ever did. And I was like, I told you, bro, it's easy to forget lies, but it's easy to remember the truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in in this wrestling business, people are so used to telling people what they want to hear in the moment or they get caught up in the moment or, you know, or, or who they're talking to. They want to impress the person they're talking to. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's easy to tell the truth, but it's easy to forget a lie. And I think that maybe he just forgot what he had said previously. And finally, for once, he told the fucking truth because he's 60 years old and he has no reason to lie anymore. Right.
0: Right. Right. Well, I got to... So it it always amazed me that your career didn't go farther in the WWE, right? You're you're a huge guy. I mean, perfect for the Northeast where, you know, I grew up watching wrestling. Um, You know, we we don't have Paul with us, so Paul really can't uh, speak for himself. But I'm going to ask you this question, right? You guys had a relationship. But um, did Paul's WCW run cause you issues in the WWE? F.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely it did. You know, number one, they thought we were brothers and number two, everybody and their fucking sister was calling Paul a thief. And I think I told this story a couple of weeks ago on the podcast where Shawn Michaels pulled me aside, um, outside of catering one day outside, outside these garage doors. And he started asking me all these questions about Paul. And I'm like, the fuck are you asking me about Paul for? I says, I'm not related to him. I says, you know, we're not brothers. We're not cousins. We're not sisters. We're not anything. We're no relation. Um, so why are you coming to me with this? And he was like, well, I heard you guys were brothers. I said, well, you fucking heard wrong dude. And, um, you know, it, it did, it did hurt us. It did hurt me. Um, it hurt me when I tried to get a job in the WCW. Um, they brought that shit up with Paul and again, it had nothing to do with me and it cost me and Paul a job when we went in 2010 and had a trial with New York, when him and I cleared the fucking locker room out and everybody standing on the stage watching us uh, do this little dark match uh, deal during the afternoon, and so you know, rumors do affect people, um, true or untrue. You know, um, I've been around Paul, like I said, for the last 30 years. And we've been in any and every situation that you can think of. And I mean, I've had thousands of dollars on my person and I would leave it on the table. And you know what? When I got back to that money after I woke up, I never once had to think about counting how much money I had to see if any of it was fucking missing. Um, The Paul knew I know is not a thief um he's a pretty stand-up guy and he's a pretty good friend to have uh we all have our our fuck-ups in life and you know some of them we're guilty of and some of them we're not guilty of but you know sometimes professional wrestlers take the liberty of being the judge jury and the executioner and i don't think that's fair and i think it only happens when they're jealous of the person right and if you're getting a push and someone don't like you they're going to start rumors because they don't want to see you succeed for one reason or another. And it really doesn't have to be a good reason. Because, you know, for example, Shawn Michaels, let's just say he started a fucking rumor. Well, I'm not going to take his spot because he's a fucking midget and he's not going to take my spot because I'm a super heavyweight. So we shouldn't have to worry about each other. Right. But that's not always the case in the locker room. If somebody gets butthurt over something you said or something you did, they're going to fucking bury you. And, you know, I knew when I got in that bullshit with Scott Hall, I knew he was part of the clique. And I knew my days were numbered. And after that, you see me get beat by Duke. You see me get beat by Adam Baum. You see me get beat by Bret Hart. You see me get beat by Bam Bam Bigelow uh, the night before, the Monday before WrestleMania, which – You know, if you want to see two 400-pound guys have a fucking simply outstanding match, I encourage everybody that's listening to go watch Mantar versus Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, we had a fucking classic, instant classic, and it was phenomenal. And you've seen two 400-pound guys go out there and wrestle each other like they're wrestling another middleweight. I mean, we're slamming each other. We're suplexing each other. You know, I'm forklifting him. He's doing all his shit, headbutt off the top row. I mean, it all happened, man, and it was a great fucking match. And so if you want to see what kind of worker I am, just go watch me, you know, wrestle uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, and you'll answer your own questions, you know. And and Kevin Nash has already said, for fuck's sakes, that I'm a really nice guy, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a great guy and really cool dude. And so then I didn't deserve that. Well, I don't give a fuck if I deserved it or not, man. It wasn't like I just stood there and took it. I didn't take it like no bitch, right? Um, so, and for me, that's, that's all that matters. I could give a shit less, you know, who open-hand slaps me across the face as hard as they can because before I would get in the ring with anybody, from the very first guy I've ever wrestled to the last guy I wrestled, I'd always say, listen, whatever you do, you better lay that shit in because otherwise I'm not going to sell it. You know, I'm an amateur wrestler. And so I'm pretty snug and pretty stiff anyway. And I'm not going to be working out there like a feather. And if you throw a punch at me and you miss me by a fucking foot and a half, I'm not selling it. If you go to clothesline me and I don't feel that forearm fucking wrap around my chest and my neck, I ain't taking a fucking bump. I don't give a shit how hard you fucking hit me. You know, I remember... I remember at the beginning of the World Rumble um, back in '95 in Tampa, Florida, uh, the pig farmer. What was his name?
0: Uh, um, uh, God, they were just on our show. Um, Godwins.
1: Yeah, Henry Godwin. So I remember he was hit me with the fucking couple clotheslines, and I was in the World Rumble, so I didn't take no fucking bump, right? And. You know, I got chastised for it, and I was like, listen, he just hit me with the fucking clothesline. I'm 400 fucking pounds. I'm 100 pounds heavier than he is. I'm supposed to take a fucking bump? Fuck you. You take the fucking bump if you want to take the bump, you know? Right. I'm not, I'm not taking the fucking bump. You know what I mean? If I'm going to take a bump, you better surprise me, or it better be something fucking devastating if you want me to sell that shit. Because otherwise, I ain't selling it. You know? Just
0: plain and simple. You know, Mike, I I want to get into some sports question with you, but I got one final question. Do you just dislike Scott Hall because of that one event, or was it other things that made you dislike him? Um,
1: Well, I'll tell you what. It has a lot to do with that one event, but in all actuality, you know, the Scott Hall that you've seen on TV wasn't the Scott Hall that was in the fucking back. Scott Hall that was in the locker room was a fucking arrogant, pilled up, drunken prick. You know, plain and simple, man. He was not a nice dude. And he might have been nice on occasions, but he was a fucking asshole more than 50% of the time, except for the people that he was in the clique with, right? He never treated none of them wrong. He never disrespected none of them, never ribbed none of them, never got smart with none of them. Only the fucking people that, you know, he felt intimidated by. So in a way, I kind of take it as a compliment. Scott Hall chose to fucking try to knock the shit out of me because that, that tells me that he was intimidated by me and he was afraid of me. And he figured that he better get the first fucking blow in. Well, he got the first one in, but I got the last one in. But yeah, I mean, you know, it had a little bit to do with it. But for the most part... Scott was just a fucking
0: pilled-up, drunken fucking dick. And I know Scott – I mean, I know Kevin said some really nice things about you, and I know that made you feel good. Um, Has that changed your opinion about Kevin Nash now?
1: Um, No, that just tells me that he didn't
0: remember all the fucking previous lies that he fucking told, right?
1: Um, You know, so, I mean, listen – I would sit down with Kevin Nash and have a fucking beer and sort out any fucking difficulties uh that he has or don't have man to man. Um I personally don't think he has any beef with me whatsoever. I don't have any beef with him except for I've heard him embellished as Razor Ramon story four or five times in the past 20 years. Um but other than that I don't have any problem with Kevin. You know he's a great guy. Um he, in my opinion, he really wasn't the greatest fucking wrestler. He was kind of the fucking shits, but he's a big son of a bitch, man. And if someone like him doesn't make any money, nobody's going to make any money. You know, um, I got to tell you one story while we're on the subject about Razor Ramon, just to cement my point. So we're on a California tour and we're out in California for like two or three weeks. And, um, I wrestled the British Bulldog on the whole tour. Fucking was a breeze, man. So simple, so easy. And um, one night we got done and everybody was flying out of LAX the next morning. So after the show, everybody went back to the fucking uh, strip club and got hammered and went to the nightclub, whatever we did. But the um, men on a mission, Mo and Mabel, I was with Mo and Mabel, I was was with them, and uh, we were at the Waffle House at the LAX airport, and we're sitting there and we're finishing our breakfast, and this was probably 2.30, 3 o'clock in the fucking morning, man, it was late, and... You know none of us had been drinking really that night and you know i'm not a big drinker anyway i'm just a fucking pot smoker and um so we're sitting there finishing our breakfast and in comes the one two three kid and razor ramon and back then when i worked for the wwf um oxycodone valium and somas were the drugs of choice, and most likely it was SOMAs. I mean, there was SOMAs, everybody had SOMAs. And um, Scott, of course, was on another one of his fucking binges and he came in and he was fucked up, man. He could barely walk. And the thing with SOMAs is, they're not really gonna kick in until you eat some food. Once you eat eat some food, them things are gonna hit you like a fucking Mack truck. And so we're all sitting in there. We're eating our breakfast and shit. And these two fucking clowns come walking in. And uh, they come walking in and they sit down and they order some fucking food. I remember Razor ordered some fucking oatmeal and ordered a bunch of other shit. But he started with his oatmeal. And so we're all sitting there together kind of chopping it up and eating. And Razor is on about his fourth or fifth spoon of his fucking oatmeal. And he fucking takes that spoon of oatmeal, puts it in his mouth, swallows it, and takes a fucking face bump right into the bowl of his oatmeal. Now you can hear this fucker gurgling. I mean, he's got oatmeal going in his mouth, he's got oatmeal going in his nostrils, he's got oatmeal going in his eyeballs, in his ears, and fucking Sean Waltman looks at me and men on the mission, like, are you guys going to fucking do something here? And we looked at fucking Sean and said, listen, bro, he is not our friend. If you're not going to fucking save him, that fucker is going to die in his oatmeal. And Sean Michaels fucking grabs him by the fucking hair and picks him up and he goes, oh. <laughs> I took a big deep breath but almost killed himself because he was all pilled up on fucking somas. So that tells you what kind of fucking guy Scott Hall was outside the ring and after the show. He was a fucking pillhead, you know, and he was a drunk. And so, um, you know, my dad has been an alcoholic for 42 years, 43 years. But my father also hasn't taken a drink since I've been 12 years old. You know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict. But are you clean and sober? Are you still that same fucking addict that everybody knows and loves, right? And, you know, my dad is, a, is an alcoholic because he used to be a drunk, but he's been sober for 42 years, where Scott Hall tried to get clean, didn't really do a very good fucking job of it, tried hundreds of times. And in my end, he was still a fucking failure because, you know, he died fucking being a fucking drunk and a fucking pillhead, you know? So I don't have no sympathy for him. I ain't got nothing nice to fucking say about him. You know, if you want to r- rile up my feathers, all you got to do is bring up fucking Razor Ramon and you'll get the job done.
0: <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that, that's for sure, hey. man. I mean, that, that wasn't the point, it, you know, it's just that, you know, Again, we started off, you know, talking about the show about people being fake and everything else, and then you see all this stuff happening, and you know, it's kind of kind of want to get inside your mind, thinking about, you know, what made you think about uh, Scott Hall like that, but uh, totally well, point you know Just, just he
1: just a fucking plain and simple. He was a fucking dick and an asshole, and in my opinion, a fucking chump. He wasn't tough, you know. Um, I mean, he proved that to me backstage in the fucking locker room after the match. Um, so he was just another fucking wannabe fucking tough guy. And, um, you know, Paul, Paul will have nothing but nice things to say about him because um, he had nothing but good interactions with him. But myself, on the other hand, that's a whole nother story. So, you know, you got you got a person treating people a certain way and they're treating other people another way. In my opinion, that's just a fucking a piece of shit fucking person that has no character. Right. You know, you well, should. I think, should he, treat.
0: I think. I think you hit on the head, man. If he was intimidated by you, then he 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 went after you a certain way. If he wasn't intimidated by you, maybe that's why he was nice to people. Who knows? It must. There's, look, there's two sides to everybody, right? So.
1: Yeah, you know, and and unfortunately, you know, Scott's dead, and you know he's not responding. So you're only hearing one side of the story. So, you can believe me or you don't, I really don't give a shit. All I know is I was fucking there. He was there, the referee was there, and Vince was there. We were the only fucking people there. And besides all them agents that were pulling us apart when I was trying to fucking whoop his ass uh, back in the locker room, you know? So um, I'm just, you know, I'm a straight shooter, man. I don't have time for, you know, people's fucking bullshit. You know, uh, like I said, I'm a I'm a straight shooter.
0: I you and... know, Mike, if I can interject, I think to me the bigger problem of the whole deal is, is what you said about 20 minutes earlier that they cost you your job, which means they cost you to lose money and not be able to take care of your family over trivial stuff. And absolutely. You know, this you, and this brings me back to this wrestling thing where, you know. You know, where's the human empathy of things and where's the taking care of the other human being? You know,
1: well, you know, and you know, I mean, if they didn't cost me the job, if someone didn't cost me the job and and I got fired the first time because someone didn't like me, well, then why would you bring me back a year later, a year and a half later, and then another year after that, right? I mean, obviously someone seen that I was a great fucking athlete and that I was a good hand and that I can make him some fucking money. But, you know, there was them same fucking people that were there during the whole fucking process. And who knows, maybe they cockblocked me again. I have no idea. All I know is that I did three different characters for New York in a matter of three and a half years, probably. And um, Vince, in my opinion, dropped the ball in every single one of them. If he'd have listened to me from Jump Street, you know, I'd be a millionaire by now and and we'd be telling a whole different fucking story. Uh, But, you know, obviously somebody seen something in me and they liked it. Otherwise, why are you going to fire a guy and then bring him back in a, a year and put another gimmick on him and then he gives you what you want, you fire him again. And then you bring him back a year and a half later to do another gimmick. You know, so, I mean, fuck, who knows, man? I don't know. It's, it's all that's fucking the past is the past. And, you know, I'm living my best life now down here in Cape Coral, Florida. And that's really all the fucking shit that matters to me, man. You know, I wake up every day. I can look myself in the mirror and I'm happy with what I see. And, you know, that's that's what's important. You know, I mean, you know, we all have demons. We all have shit in our life that we're not proud of. But at the end of the day, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and you're happy with that person, then kudos to you, man. Keep on fucking trucking, you know, because I not only want to succeed myself, but I want to see you, Monty. I want to see you succeed. I want to see Pharaoh succeed. I want to see who's ever in my path or in my circle. I want to see all them people succeed, right? Because yes,
0: I, I, I feel exactly the same way. Look, we got about 10 minutes left. So, well, last episode, playoffs started, right? Seemed like both in hockey and basketball, all roads were leading through Boston. Uh, I think you would agree with that. Here we are today. The Bruins were knocked out in shocking fashion, and the 76ers yeah. are giving the Celtics all they can handle. What's going on? Has your mind changed on who is winning these championships in both leagues?
1: Well, you know, um, I still truly believe that Boston is the best team in the NBA. I mean, they are tied with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers now, one game apiece. Um, Philadelphia bounced back and won the last game, or they're winning tonight, actually. Um, they're beating them by 31 points 110 to 79. Um, with four minutes to go in the game, so the Celtics have bounced back. They tied things up. Um, Joel Embiid won the MVP of the of the league, uh, which I think was you know overdue for sure. Um, Nikola Jokic has won it for uh, Denver the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, man, I mean the Lakers, the Lakers. Oh my God, you know I re- I wrote the Lakers off. On episode one, two and a half months ago, I wrote them off and here they are. They're tied with uh, Golden State in the second round, one game apiece. And I'll tell you what, man, the Lakers have, have shown up. LeBron's really turned this team around. And to be honest with you, more than LeBron has turned the team around, I think Anthony Davis has finally showed up to play basketball because in my opinion, Anthony Davis is the catalyst of the Los Angeles Lakers. If he's having an off night, they're having an off night. If he's shooting them turnaround jumpers from 20 feet, passing the ball, setting up people for dunks, the Lakers are successful. Um, Denver has jumped out to a not surprising 2 nothing lead um, against uh, the Phoenix Suns Um, They they jumped out to a two to nothing lead. And I always said that Denver was going to win the uh, West. Uh, The other top, the number two seed, Milwaukee, they got ousted by the, or not, sorry, not Milwaukee, uh, Memphis. They got ousted by the Lakers in the first round. And, uh, but yeah, the Lakers so far, in my opinion, are the surprise team in the NBA playoffs. And I'm sure that would make uh, Paul and Tim Beal very happy because they are both diehard Laker fans. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the Lakers have, have shown up in the playoffs. It's about time that they showed up this year. And in my opinion, the fucking best time to watch NBA basketball is during the playoffs because that's where the cream rises to the top. All that other bullshit for 78, 80 games, that means fucking nothing. You know, and it don't matter. I think the Lakers came in as a seven or eight seed, seven seed, I think. And, um, you know, now they're playing the number five seed or four seed in Golden State. And so, um, yeah, the Lakers are going to, are, are, are doing well, but I think Denver is still going to be the top team in the West and i think that uh boston is gonna end up hanging on and being the nba champions of 2023
0: Did the knicks make it past the miami heat
1: the knicks are tied one-to-one with miami they lost the first game um in new york in the garden and then they won yesterday 111-105 to and um So, yeah, so, I mean, it's – you know, I like the Knicks. I think they're – I think they're playing some basketball. Um, But, yeah, I just – I can't see anybody beating Boston in a seven-game series, you know. And when it comes to hockey, um, the Carolina Hurricanes look like they're the team to beat this year in the NHL, um, living in Florida – I'm a Tampa Bay Lightning fan and a Florida Panthers uh, fan. Um, But Tampa Bay just got ousted by Toronto in the first round in game seven. And um, the New York Rangers actually got their clock cleaned by the New Jersey Devils in game seven. I think it was five to one was the final. Four to nothing or five to one, I can't remember. I know it was a four goal spread, but the Rangers jumped out in that series right out of the gate. 2-0 2 and i was on the rangers bandwagon because they've been my team pretty much for my whole life the new york rangers and i was all over on their bandwagon and you know what the new jersey devils man came back and put it in their keister so kudos to the new jersey devils
0: um
1: you know i mean up there you got the rangers and the and the devils right um yeah in the, the new york area and you already said that you're a Rangers fan, right? Yep, yep. So why aren't you a New Jersey Devils fan? Can I ask?
0: Well, I'm from Long Island, New York. So most most Islanders, Long Islanders, like the Islanders. Um, yes, I'm a yes. Yeah, so, but I'm a Ranger, Jet, Knicks, Yankee fan. So most people are usually Met, Islander, Jets, uh, Nets fan. So I'm a Knicks fan also. But um, that being said, I went to the Garden on Saturday night where the Rangers defeated uh, the Devils in an incredible game. But watching that game, I was telling people you could just see how much better the Devils actually were than the Rangers. Uh, It was was evident, even though the Devils lost that game six. So it wasn't surprising to see that final blowout.
1: Yeah, you know, the last two games of that series – uh, both home teams handed it to the visiting team, right? Because the Rangers handed it to New Jersey uh, when when you went and seen them, I believe. And um, New Jersey came back and handled it two days later um, at their home ice. So, you know, home ice is huge in the NHL. It's a lot big, more of an advantage, I think, than any other sport out there, Um home advantage in hockey is just something about it, man. Very strong. I don't know if the road teams play too many games before they get get to where they're going or what, but the home field advantage in the NHL has always been much stronger than
0: any other sport, in my opinion. Well, let me, let me jump over to the Jets. I want your expert opinion there. Uh, oh, shit. Last week, right, they got Aaron Rodgers. Are the Jets now a Super Bowl contender or you just think – maybe they make the playoffs.
1: Fuck no. They're not even going to make the playoffs, man. You know, the Jets would be lucky if they be a, a 500 team again. You know, it takes more than just one player to make a team successful, okay?
0: You know, you got to have other,
1: other people in place. And granted, the Jets, their defense isn't too bad, but their offense is fucking atrocious. And, I mean, I think if they get a new running back and – another receiver or two, then I would say, okay, Jets might have a chance of making the playoffs. Excuse me, but one player does not make a championship team. One player does not make a playoff team,
0: especially in the NFL. All right, Mike, we're out of time. Some really great lessons uh, and great stories you told. The one thing uh, I think we'll get out of this episode is, uh, You know, life is getting really weird out there. We got to start showing a little empathy towards each other. So, Mike, if you could send a message to your listeners and the fans and send us on out, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, you know, if you got some goals in mind or you're out there trying to achieve goals every day, you know, it's better to achieve them goals uh, later than never. You know, keep on plugging along just try to have some more empathy for the human race. And because like I said, you never know what somebody else is going through and just open up your heart to a little bit more love and kindness and just try to, you know, be a little bit more even keel, you know. Um, You know, and on that note, you know what time it is. It's time for the SOB Sports Network motto. And the motto of today is you only die once, but you live every day.
0: Ooh.